That song, Take Time to Be Holy, certainly uh, is, explains in part the fourth commandment that we're beginning to consider this morning. We've been in the series on the life of Moses. And, of course, you cannot have a series in the life of that man of God without considering the Ten Commandments and where we have uh, been resting as the Israelites were resting before Mount Sinai. We've looked at uh, the first three commandments thus far, which indicate, uh, firstly, the, the who of our worship. We are to worship the Lord alone, exclusively. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt. Therefore, the idea is, um, listen to my commandments. They apply to the fact that I am your, your uh, Creator and your Redeemer. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. The second command speaks of the manner or the, the why, or I'm sorry, the how of worship, where we read, Thou shalt not um, make unto thee any graven image to bow down and worship it. <clears throat> we looked a couple weeks at the second commandment. The third commandment speaks of the, the reason, the, the why of worship. Why is it that we worship the Lord and, and we worship as He prescribes in His Word? Because He's holy. And uh, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And we spent a couple of weeks uh, looking at the meaning of and the application of that command. <clears throat> well, it should not be a surprise that we need time. There, there are specific times in which we are to worship the Lord. Um, and so we're not surprised when he says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. There are some that would glibly say, well, I worship the Lord every day. Uh, and yet there's a Bible verse that says, pray without ceasing. But no one would deny that there are special seasons of prayer. Yes, we are to pray without ceasing, but there are special prayer meeting times in the Bible. Yes, we are to worship the Lord at all times, but we're creatures that need time and concentration and effort. Just like you know, the, the employer expects you, whatever, eight hours to focus on your employment. That's a time. And we shouldn't be saying something like, well, I, I can work for you at all times. But no, there's a specific time set aside. This command has certainly been precious to many believers. I, you probably have seen the, the film Chariots of Fire. Uh, there was a man who was, they called this man, the man who would not run on a Sunday. His name, you remember, was Eric Liddell or Lydell. And we're told that in 1924 he was chosen to run for Britain in the Olympic Games. <clears throat> he was the British record holder for 100 meters and it was certain that he was going to do well. His heart was set on winning. Then came the news that the, that the heats for the 100 meters were to be run on a Sunday. He canceled his entry. The British Amateur Athletic Association tried to persuade him to run, but they failed. He didn't change his mind even when he was asked to run by the Prince of Wales. Instead, he entered for the 400 meters, although he wasn't, it wasn't his best distance. On the day of the race, and I'm reading a, a little entry, 
As he lined up with the other runner, someone put a small piece of paper into his hand. The race started and Eric won, setting up a world record which stood for many years. After the race, he looked at the little slip of paper and found written on it these words from 1 Samuel 2.30. In the old book it says, He that honors me, I will honor. Wishing you the best of success always. That's just one person that certainly uh, was tested with his love for the Lord and love for the Lord's day. And there are others. I have some articles here. As recent as 1987, at least in this article, so it it times the article, doesn't it? A man named Tom Farrell in 1956 here, uh, he also uh, took a stand in uh, his 440 hurdles. But in 1987, there was actually a long jumper from Britain named Barrington Williams. And he as well said, when it comes down to it, God comes first and athletics second. Sunday is God's day. So sometimes, you know, we're, we're tested uh, where the rubber meets the road. And, and uh, these, these commands should be certainly precious to God's people. Jesus says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. And, and so we, uh, we consider the, the fourth commandment. And I think we would all agree that in Christendom, it's probably the least esteemed. Uh, because we have so many different ideas, for instance. There are some say, well, the Sabbath was Jewish. Uh, I've just given you some, some explanations that people give. Or every day is the Lord's day. Uh, they'll say that, for instance. And yet again, uh, we, every supper is the Lord's, but the Lord's Supper is a special supper where we remember His death. Yes, every day is the Lord's, but the Lord's day is a special day that we remember His resurrection. So, there are answers uh, to these, to these uh, questions and, and uh, the apostles and believers through the centuries have had to wrestle with these things and explain. But I think we would agree that <clears throat> this is probably the least esteemed uh, among Christians in the world. And there's a verse that's kind of scary that Jesus said, He that... Uh, he that breaks one of the least of God's commandments and teaches men so, the same shall be called least in the kingdom of God. Which tells us that the person's a Christian. He's still in the kingdom of God. But yet, he counts whatever commandment he counts least, he first of all breaks it himself and then teaches others by his example and by his precept. And I certainly don't want to be called least in the kingdom of God because I demean one of God's commandments. And so this is a special challenge, certainly, in the Christian world today. It wasn't so much uh, unheard of or unknown in years gone by. If we're old enough, we can remember when stores were closed and things were, uh, shops were, uh, were, you know, the door, the front doors were closed in the 60s. In early 70s, especially, and only those necessary stores and places were open. But things certainly have changed, and and believers, of course, with every commandment, are like fish swimming up current because the down current is a, a, a swam, swam. What am I trying to say? The, the, it's easy just to float downstream, the way the world goes, and we need to be careful that we don't just are politically correct, but we want to be pleasing to the Lord. And so, 
Uh, we, we look at the fourth commandment today, and obviously I'm not going to be able to finish this one just like the, the previous ones that we have looked at before. But imagine an invitation to spend a whole day with Queen Elizabeth. Well, maybe, maybe you wouldn't want to spend time with Queen Elizabeth, but just imagine an invitation to spend a whole day with her. And, you're, and you give the answer, I'll spend an hour with her. I think that would be certainly an insult to Queen Elizabeth. Or even, maybe it's not a Queen Elizabeth, but maybe your whole invitation to be with Mr. Zelensky from Ukraine. Or President Trump. Or maybe you say, well, I'm not interested in those. But how about King David or King Solomon or the Apostle Paul or Joseph and Mary or the Lord Jesus? I think there would be such a a tremendous privilege, wouldn't it, to be given an invitation to spend the whole day. And yet again, what if we just said, well, we'll give you an hour. And that essentially is what happens regarding the Lord's Day, that we give the Lord a token gesture Sometimes, and people will say, well, I went to church Sunday. Well, it's, it's like saying, I gave my tithe and the offering. I've, I've given my token gesture. It's like someone invites you to a birthday party and you go in for about an hour and, and you just give your token gesture and you go outside and you don't really enter into the situation, to the joy and the celebration. Um, we certainly know what that's like, don't we? When we know people are not really giving their heart to to a, a celebration, but just a, a token gesture. So this is dealing with the when of worship. Um, time it takes time to be holy. God, who made a seven-day week, has made man a seven-day clock. And uh, they've tried to go. go they like was, was it uh, um, France that tried a ten-day week, and they've tried fourteen-day weeks. But God is the Creator, and He made us set us on a seven-day clock. And we need one day in seven. Of course, God has commanded us to give one day set aside for Him. And the question really is a heart question, brother and sister. It's, you know, I'm not here to give lists. This is a challenge to all of us. But the question is, do we want to spend a whole day with God? Do we want to love God this way? Do we count it a privilege that He commands us to spend time with him. I mean, it would be. A, I think it would be a privilege if I got an invitation to spend a day with my wife and with Queen Elizabeth. But she's dying. She's a sinner, and I hope she's saved by grace. And she's going to bow her knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. But the God of the universe has invited us. I see it as a gift. Jesus Himself said the Sabbath was made for man. Notice he doesn't say the Sabbath was made for the Jew. The Sabbath was made for man. It was for us. It's for us. It's a gift, in other words. Think of Adam and Eve. Their first full day on earth was the Sabbath day. They were made on the sixth day. And the first full day was with the Lord on the day that He rested. It's a special day. And I'd like to just take our time and ponder the teaching of, of the fourth commandment in Scripture. But first of all, it's, it's prominence. It's one of the Ten Commandments. That's what we have to keep in mind. It's one of the Ten Commandments. So it is prominent. It's, it's not a side issue. It's not 
you know, a, a left field issue. It's one of the Ten Commandments. And it's basically smack in the middle. When you ponder the Fourth and the Fifth Commandments, for instance, they're really dealing with the family, too. Because the Fourth Commandment shows the responsibility of parents. Not just parents, but employers. Now, it doesn't just talk about your son and your daughter. It talks about your servants. And then, not just employers, but elected officials. It says, you're stranger, you're sojourner in your gates. You're to, you're to um, help. You're to facilitate His keeping of the Sabbath too. And so the Lord is not just speaking to parents. But the fourth commandment is the responsibility of parents to keep the Sabbath day themselves and to facilitate that in their families, in the church, in the workplace, and in, in uh, society at large. And the fifth commandment is the responsibility of children and servants and so on. Those of us who follow leaders, that we honor our father and mother. So the Lord cares for families. And two of the commandments, right in the center as it were, and the ones, well at least the Sabbath day, is the one with the most material of all the commandments. It's got the most uh, words and it's certainly something that God counts very special. And the Bible tells us that its origin was not at Mount Sinai. It's the only commandment that it's really mentioned, especially in Genesis, in the early stages of the Bible. It says, on the seventh day, God ended His work. And He rested. Literally, it's the word Sabbath there. He, he Sabbathed on the seventh day. And He blessed it and sanctified it. In other words, He blessed it to us. It's a gift. And the word sanctified means that He set it aside just for us. It's just for, for mankind. And He tells, remember, He tells the Jews at Mount Sinai to remember the Sabbath day. It, it's not, it doesn't originate then. He says, remember. In other words, when you remember something, it's something that has previously happened. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it whole. And then he tells them, remember six days I, I made things. He takes them back to Genesis. He takes them back to creation. And so, it's the commandment with, it's the first commandment with precept. Remember, the first three deal with prohibition, thou shalt not. And then most of the others, except for four and five, deal with thou shalt nots. Now, of course, again, with every prohibition, there's a corresponding precept. But here's the one that not only has a precept, but also a prohibition. It's interesting how you've got the negative and the positive. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy is the precept, but it goes on to say, thou shalt not do any work. So it gives us the prohibition as well in this commandment. The only one that gives both the positive and the negative. Um, but this is certainly something, again, that, that the Lord shows us that it's a gift. He tells it to us in the positive sense first. And that's exactly what happened in, in Eden. Remember when he came to, to uh, Adam? He doesn't come to Adam and say, don't eat from that one tree. <laughs> how, does he, how does he approach Adam? You can eat from all the trees of the garden. See, the devil wanted Adam and Eve to see that God was stingy, that God was a killjoy. You can't eat from any of the trees of the garden. Remember? And she says, no, that's not what God said. God said that we can eat from all the trees of the garden. 
but we can't eat from one because we'll die. And then he, then not only does he want them to think he's a killjoy, he wants them to think that he's a liar. You won't die. So the devil, from the very beginning, has wanted us to think God is a killjoy when he commands us not to do something, or even to do something. And he wants us to disbelieve and to question God. God is not a killjoy. He says to Adam, you can have, have all the trees except one. And I'll let you name the animals. Think of the privilege. God could have named all the animals, but he said, Adam, you do it. And then he said, I'm going to give you a wife, a helper in the garden. You're going to be two. And then he's basically saying, you spread the Garden of Eden throughout the world. And you see that, go back to Genesis, God is giving precept after precept after precept. But when he gives a prohibition, he's saying, I'm God and I want you to trust me that I'm not a killjoy. When I prohibit something, it's for your good and my glory. Just like when I uh, encourage something, it's for my glory and your good. And Isaiah tells us we're to call the Sabbath a delight and not a drudgery. So again, it comes back to our hearts, brother and sister. Do we want to obey God? Do we want to spend a day with Him? It's called the Lord's Day in the New Testament. But not just the New Testament. Isaiah 50, 58 says it's my holy day. So, you know, there are people that say, well, it's the Sabbath in the New Old Testament, it's the Lord's Day in the New Testament. No, you'll see Sabbath and Lord's Day in the Old Testament. You see Lord's Day and Sabbath in the New Testament. It's the same, whether you are in Genesis or in Revelation. From creation to the resurrection... Our brothers and sisters, for the most part, have seen it was the last of the seven. Notice the Lord does not say that He blessed the seventh day of the week. He blessed the seventh day, which means it's one in seven, whether it's after work or before work. The idea is one in seven. And from creation to the resurrection of Christ, it was the last of the seven. The seventh day was after the six days of work but from the resurrection to the end of the world. It's before the six days of work, so that's why we worship on Sunday. The Seventh-day Adventists and the Seventh-day Baptists, for instance, will say that we have been duped by the Roman Catholic Church. It's the Pope. Well, they'll say uh, Constantine thrust it upon us. It's true that Constantine, the Roman Emperor, probably became a Christian. And he, and he certainly made it easier for Christians to worship. And he did sanction the, the, the Lord's Day. The first day of the week is a day of worship. But the Seventh-day Adventists say that we have the mark of the beast, that the Pope foisted the first day. We should be worshiping on Saturday. But it wasn't the Pope. It wasn't Constantine. We find that they began worshiping on the first day of the week in the book of Acts. You find Paul, for instance, waiting until the first day of the week in Troas so that he could worship with them on the Lord's Day before he embarked. He stayed extra days to wait for the worship day. And it says upon the first day of the week, they broke bread. It's a sign of the Lord's Day, of communion on the Lord's Day. In 1 Corinthians 16, Paul tells the Corinthians... Just like it's, he says it's true in Galatia and all the churches, to lay your, we, we read this in our bulletin today, to uh, bring your, have your offering ready on the first day of the week. 
In other words, why would he say that? It wasn't like our society where we have an automobile that we can drive to the church building every day. In other words, you read between the lines, that was the day that they met together. And he said, have it ready so that I don't have to wait long when I come and take this, this special offering to the needy saints. Do you know that Pentecost was on the first day of the week? Acts chapter 2. So you see, Jesus rising from the dead, A.D. 30, which was uh, the first day. You see, Pentecost, 40 days after His resurrection, on the first day of the week. You see, A.D. 70, the Lord is saying, when the Romans overtake you, that pray that you won't have to flee on the Sabbath day. And then we read together in Revelation 1, A.D. 90, John is calling it the Lord's Day. So you see that it's, the Bible shows from A.D. 30 to A.D. 90 that the, that the Sabbath and Lord's Day is the first day of the week. And so obviously we continue in that vein today. And the fact that Jesus rose from the dead gives us a greater reason. And did you know the Bible gives us an, a, a, a revised version of the fourth commandment? Most people don't know that the Ten Commandments are given in Deuteronomy as well. If you look in Deuteronomy 5, just for a moment, if you would, please. Deuteronomy chapter 5. Tell me the difference between Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus 20. Deuteronomy 5 and Exodus 20. Just look for 30 seconds. You already know what Exodus 20 says, right? Deuteronomy chapter 5, beginning with verse 12. Keep the Sabbath day to sanctify it as the Lord thy God hath commanded thee. Six days thou shalt labor and do all thy work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord thy God. In it thou shalt not do any work, Thou, nor thy son, nor thy daughter, nor thy manservant, nor thy maidservant, nor thine ox, nor thine ass, nor any of thy cattle, nor any stranger that is within thy gates, that thy manservant and thy maidservant may rest as well as thou. And remember that thou wast observant in the land of Egypt, and that the Lord thy God brought thee out thence through a mighty hand and by a stretched out arm. Therefore the Lord thy God commanded thee to keep the Sabbath day. There are two major differences between Deuteronomy and Exodus. Very good. In Exodus it says, remember the Sabbath day. So, obviously looking back to its origin in Genesis. But in Deuteronomy it says, keep, which means guard. In other words, what the Lord anticipates in Deuteronomy is the fact that it's going to be threatened. It's going to be threatened in your nation. It's going to be threatened by other nations. For instance, uh, the nations were coming and selling their bread and their, and their food and their instruments of tools of whatever. In Nehemiah's day, they, he saw people from Tyre and Sidon and nations were coming into the city and selling their wares. And he told the people, you're letting the world threaten the keeping of the Sabbath. And if you read Nehemiah 13, he says, what evil thing is this that you're doing and that you break the Sabbath day? He said, tell those men, in other words, he was saying, boycott them for one day. 
Get them out of the city. I don't want them selling their wares. We're, we're insulting the Lord. We're disobeying His Word. So you have the difference between... But you add it. It's not like it's saying no longer remember it. It's saying not only remember it, but guard it. But the other thing, did you notice, that's different. He references, not creation this time, he references the Exodus. Do you see the difference here? In Exodus he says... The reason why you're to keep the Sabbath is because you're to imitate God. For six days He made heaven and earth the sea and all that is in them and rested the seventh day. Wherefore the Lord blessed. In other words, you rest because you're following Me. I want you to take rest and enjoy you know, my, my presence. And just like it says the Lord enjoyed what He created and enjoyed Adam and Eve, and so He's saying for us to imitate Him. But in Deuteronomy, He adds a reason. He references the Exodus. In other words, he says, you remember that you were a bondman and God delivered you. And so he's saying, in Exodus, remember me as your creator on the Sabbath. In Deuteronomy, he's saying, remember me as your Savior. And that anticipates the New Testament. In the New Testament, Christ rises from the dead on the first day. The apostles change their day of worship from the... Saturday to Sunday, because there's a greater reason now than creation to remember, you know, to, to, to rest, to worship. The day is now in remembrance of Christ rising from the dead. It's not saying, well, forget God is creator now, but it's saying that salvation is a greater work than creation. Matter of fact, we're new creatures in Christ if you're born again. So it's still about creation, but it's now not about physical creation, but it's about spiritual creation that God references for us to remember and to appreciate on the Lord's Day. And so He wants us to think about Him and to take a day to ponder Him and to worship Him as Creator and as Savior. And that's the reason why we are worshiping on Sunday, because we find the apostles starting to worship on Sunday and promoting Sunday worship. And Jesus Himself said, remember when he, was, when he was warning them about the Romans coming, He said, pray that it won't be on the Sabbath day. Now, if, if the Sabbath was passing away, like so many people say, why would He have said, you know, be concerned that you won't have to run from the Romans on the Sabbath day? That was 70 A.D. That was 40 years after He said that because he knew there would still be the fourth commandment in A.D. 70. I mean, you can put all these pieces of the puzzle together. And I understand people will say to me, why didn't God just say, somewhere in the Bible, the Sabbath is no longer on Saturday, it's on Sunday, and the fourth commandment is still for today. They're not just nine commandments now. You know, we all want things in black and white like that, but that's not how God works. He wants us to think. He wants us to compare Scripture with Scripture and to read the Bible you know, with our hearts and, and, and with our minds and to pray for wisdom and spiritual understanding. And so it is with the Tenth Commandment especially. It is indeed um, a privilege to spend time with the Lord. And uh, it is 
prominent in the fact that it's one of the Ten Commandments. And what a privilege we have to, to uh, have this revelation from God. Uh, secondly, may I say, it is a priority. It's, it's a commandment, remember. It's not an option. And the, the God of heaven, the Lord of glory, the, the Savior of sinners, commands us. Not just for the Jew. That was subsequent to creation. And it was certainly a sign. And it's still a sign for us. You think about the world today, there's no Sabbath anymore. Remember when uh, Andrew Bonner and Robert Murray McShane were going to the Holy Land. and On the way from Scotland, they stopped in France. And just a comment he makes in his diary, he says, it's so sad that France has, France has no... France has no Sabbath day. And he just makes a comment in his diary. But now, if they, if they rose from the dead, Scotland is the same. And it's all over the world these days. It's very rare where you're going to find um, places in the world where the Lord's day is precious. You know, there are still places in the world where you can't take a ferry over a particular body of water because they want the ferry uh, captain to... Uh, to have the Sabbath off. But I heard recently that a, a faraway place in northern Scotland finally scrapped that. And now they, they're running a ferry that for years never ran on Sunday. It wasn't too long ago, do you know, that, that New York allowed Sunday hunting. Not too long. I remember they sent a letter and said, which day would you rather have as opening day? Would you rather have Sunday or Monday? because they were opening up Sunday hunting. And I sent the letter, I pleaded with them, please don't have Sunday as your opening day. I said, I believe God's going to frown upon this. I, I believe they were going to frown upon, the Lord was going to frown upon New York anyway. But if you open this up on Sunday, and I don't think I had any, any uh, leeway or, or uh, influence, but I am thankful that opening day is still on Monday. But what I'm saying to you, it hasn't been that long since Sunday laws have... I'm sorry, Saturday is the opening now? That's right, it was Saturday or Sunday. They asked the question, not Monday. But some people are pushing for Monday because they want Sunday a Sunday off. So it's not a spiritual reason. But it's not been long since these Sunday laws have, have uh, passed by the wayside. And I'm not saying that it's necessarily saying that America was Christian. Because what normally happens is if we do something because it's the Word of God, if it's, if it's popular publicly, sometimes we just adopt it because the public adopts it. So it's no longer a biblical reason. And if we're just adopting something because everybody else agrees with it, it's not long before we just let that jettison when the, when the society jettisons it. So for the longest time, it was a biblical reason and society agreed with it and they had the Sunday off. In the old days, the baseball, uh, Major League Baseball was not on Sunday. You read about Billy Sunday, who was instrumental in starting the Buffalo City Mission. He didn't play for the Chicago White Sox on Sunday because they didn't play Sundays. And he was out with his buddies on a Sunday in Chicago and there was a, a, a wagon with a horse, a horse-drawn wagon going from 
place to place in Chicago with singers and a preacher on the platform. And he happened to be in the area where they stopped. And since he wasn't playing baseball, it was a Sunday, he heard a preach a message, heard singing, he was converted. And he became a well-known evangelist in the world. And he was certainly one who, who uh, advocated, just like Eric Liddell and so many, advocated uh, the special nature of the Lord's Day. It is a priority, and I trust that we will make it a priority. Of course, all the commandments of God are priorities to you and me. Worshiping God alone and, and worshiping as He pleases and being generous and truthful and, and, and so on. All these things are signs to the world that, that we are the Lord's because we have His stamp on our hearts and, and if we love Him, we'll, we'll be obedient. Obedience is the acid test I'm sorry, yes, obedience is the acid test of our love. But again, we find that the focus is on leaders. It's leaders that are commanded to facilitate the keeping of the Sabbath day. And really, what is being commanded is to love the Lord. The Lord summarized all ten commandments with love Him with all your heart and love your neighbor. So it really comes down to, again, I hope that this gets through to us, it's not a list of do's and don'ts. You've got to do this or don't do that. It's, do we want to? Do we want to love the Lord? And you say, well, only if it's convenient. And it, it, it does come down to that sometimes. Is it convenient for me to obey God? If it's inconvenient, then I'm not going to do it. And that's, that's the challenge to us. It's not whether it's convenient. It's whether God says so. You know, there are people that say, if it's convenient, I won't lie. But if it's inconvenient, I'm going to lie. And right down the line, is that how we keep God's commandments? Only if it's convenient. If someone says, puts, a, puts a, a gun to my head and says, confess Satan as your Lord. It's inconvenient for me to say, absolutely not. But it's absolutely necessary for me to say, Jesus is my Lord alone. And isn't that what happened at Columbine many years ago? A girl was sitting on a bench in front of the high school and a gun was put to her head. And you still confess Jesus? She's in glory. But what I'm saying to you, it's not even the consequence that's the main, the main motivation it's not convenience or consequence. It's God's Word. It's God's Word. Am I submissive to God? Do I love Him? It's the Lord's Day. It's not my day. It's not Super Bowl Day. It's not golf day. It's not shopping day. It's not lazy day. It's not work day. He says, I want you to set it apart. I want you to isolate it. I want you to reserve it. It's kind of like an heirloom. Like, a, like you would an antique. Can you imagine if, if, if someone gave you an antique, say, coffee table? You want that preserved, set apart for, you know. But what happens is, what would you do if a loved one took that antique and took it outside and chopped wood on it? <laughs> I mean, that would be profaning that special antique. Well, the Lord is saying, here is 
my special day. I don't want you taking me outside and chopping wood on it, as it were. I want you to keep it holy. And it's not even a matter of, well, it's okay to do this on any day. It's not like I'm sinning on the Lord's day doing something wrong. But again, the challenge is, okay, you're on a date for the first time. Okay, you're on a date for the first time. And you sit at a table. And you know, you're about to order and you're talking. And you pick out of your pocket a newspaper. And you just open it up and start reading in front of your date. There's nothing wrong with reading a newspaper. But it's not the time. It's not the time. It's like one other man said, you're on, you're on your honeymoon and you know, your, 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 your wife is wanting you to spend time and, and you say, okay, I'll see you in about five hours. I'm going golfing. Wait a minute. What's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with golfing. It's the time. We're on our honeymoon. Why are you doing that? I, I want you to spend time with me. And this is really, it, it's that simple. The Lord is saying, look, am I not important? I gave you six days. And you want to rob me of the seventh? It's like Spurgeon said that a beggar was asking for money and a man had seven coins and he gave him six. And he, the man knew he had a seventh and, the, and the, the benefactor was walking away and the beggar went and robbed him of the seventh coin. And that's essentially what happens. God has given us six days. Well, I trust that we see it is a matter of the heart. And um, I have several more points, but I will just, just begin. The, the third point is its purpose. So we have the, the, the uh, prominence and the priority of spending a whole day with God. But again, the purpose and it is to spend the day with God and His people. It's time with God. It's personal worship, family altar, church gatherings. Do you know the, the, the Bible tells us that the primary um, activity of spending the day with God is, is public worship. Just look at a couple of verses with me, please. Leviticus chapter 19, verse 30, and that's also repeated in chapter 26 and verse 2. Exodus, or I'm sorry, uh, Leviticus 19, verse 30. Leviticus 19 and verse 30. I want you to see the connection between these two statements. It says, you shall keep my Sabbaths. And the question might be, well, how do I do that? And reverence my sanctuary. You see how they go together. Reverencing my sanctuary is, is, having, is being together for worship. And, and you see that especially in chapter 23 and verse 3. Look at, look at chapter 23 and verse 3. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of rest. Notice, a holy convocation. Don't miss that. In other words, the Lord is saying, I don't want you just in your tent sleeping all day. It's a holy convocation. It's for, it's for you to get together for public worship. 
And you read that in the New Testament where Paul says, for instance, Moses has in the synagogues every Sabbath those that preach him. In other words, from the very beginning, the main reason for keeping the Sabbath day was the Word of God being preached and read and people being together to worship. And just like it says of Jesus in Luke chapter 4, you don't have to turn there, it says, as His custom was, He went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day. In other words, it gives you a little, not only a snapshot, but it gives you a video of Jesus from the very beginning of His life. He was always going in to the synagogue for worship. It says the same thing about Paul in Acts chapter 17. As his manner was, he went in and reasoned with them out of the Scriptures on the Sabbath days. In other words, Paul, just like he waited six days or five days in Troas before the first day of the week, that was the special uh, way in which you sanctified the Sabbath day. So worship is the primary way to keep the Sabbath. But again, you, we have to unpack these things. The Lord also healed on the Sabbath. He visited people. So it's not just, and we'll get into this, Lord willing, next time, but there are three things, and, and our forefathers mentioned that in, for instance, the Westminster Confession of Faith and the, the larger catechism. There are certain activities that the Lord wants us to engage in on the Lord's Day. One is ministry or piety, like the ministry of the Word. He said the priests profane the Sabbath and are innocent. In other words, he said, because remember the, uh, the priests had to double their, their work on the, on the Lord's Day. They had to slay the animals and offer sacrifice. They were exhausted. But he said, and they profane it in the sense... But they're working, but it's allowable. They're guiltless, he says. And then, of course, he preached and read and, and they won souls. But then he says, look, you've got works of mercy. If your ox or your sheep is in the ditch, I mean, you don't walk up to your ditch and there's a sheep down there. That would be so sad, wouldn't it? See a sheep in a ditch. And you look down at the sheep and you say, sorry, sheep. I can't help you till tomorrow. I mean, he's saying to the Pharisees, you're inconsistent. You won't let me heal a man of his infirmity. He's in the ditch. You would take your sheep, you would take your ox out of the ditch. It's like, there was a time where somebody, I think I've shared this with you, there was, there was somebody who was in a balloon. What do they call those? Air balloons or... What are they called? Hot balloons. And they were up there in the sky on a Sunday. And something happened to the hot air balloon and it crashed in the church parking lot. And the preacher ran out and said, it's the Sabbath day. You shouldn't be, you shouldn't be riding your balloon. No, should that have happened? It's an accident. I mean, you and I don't ride down the road after church today and someone's in the ditch. Or someone's out of fuel and you don't stop and say, sorry buddy, stay there, I'll see you tomorrow morning. No, it's, it's a work of mercy. And we th how thankful we are that the troopers showed up for work today. The doctors and nurses, and they have a staff at the hospital. And we need electricity. What if the electricity goes out? Do we wait till Monday morning and people are on oxygen machines? Keeping them alive? 
brother and sister, the Lord taught us there are works of piety, of ministry, works of, of mercy, and of course, works of necessity. You don't let that utter drop on Sunday. Milk the cow. It's a work of necessity. That we can eat. Remember, the, basically, the, the disciples were out there with the Lord. They were, they were going about doing good and preaching the Gospel. And they, and they went out in the, in, the, in the wheat fields and they got some granola of a sort, right? And they ate. And the Pharisees said, you're, basically they're saying, you're harvesting. You're breaking the Sabbath. They missed the whole point. The Lord's saying, look, David used the showbread. They were hungry and the priests saw that that was legitimate. Better to feed hungry people than just to perform a... a a symbolic gesture and keep the showbread in the temple. And so the Lord was teaching His disciples and He was teaching others how to think and how to unpack this commandment. And it really wasn't all that difficult. And so I, I, I begin our thoughts on its purpose. But that's what the key is. What is the purpose? Are what we doing Maintaining the purpose of spending time with God, of loving the Lord, of facilitating others keeping the Sabbath. We've got to keep that in mind. That will be one of the last things when he said, guard it. Not only for yourself. He's telling leaders, parents, magistrates, guard it. In other words, guard... He's not just saying... Don't let the strangers in town lead you away from Sabbath keeping. Think of it positively. Teach the strangers the blessing of the Lord's Day. Just like when Nehemiah said, boycott the people from Tyre and Sidon from selling their wares. It wasn't just the negative at the end of the day. Teach those poor people from Tyre and Sidon that the Lord's Day is special. And maybe by your boycotting them, it'll make them think. Not just of the, of the almighty dollar, but it'll think about almighty God. That He is real. And that He loves us so much that He would give us a whole day with Himself. And so I, again, I challenge us. It's not remember the Sabbath hour to keep it holy. That's throwing gestures. That's tokens to God. Do we love Him enough to say, what an invitation to spend a whole day with the God of the universe. We neglect our souls. We cut ourselves off from the breath of life. And let me just close with some thoughts from Mr. Bonner who is a, a preacher in Scotland. This is what he has to say it's not just about not doing something. And so often we look at it, it well, I can't do this and I can't do that. It's like the man I met in Tractor Supply. We, first time I chatted with him, he said, are you a Sabbath keeper? And I said, well, I do believe in the fourth commandment. And he said, I don't work here on Sunday. And he says, I rebuke my boss and people for working on Sundays. And just there was just that Meanness, and I finally said to him, But what do you do on Sunday? 
It's not, you, I don't work at Tractor Supply, but what do you do? Do you attend a, a worship service? Do you go to church and Oh, no, I, I, I worship at home. I said, you got the negative right, but the positive is to worship the Lord among His people. And uh, this, is, this is the spirit that I want us to understand. And just a, a short paragraph from... This Leviticus commentary by Mr. Bonner, 354, he says, This is the text, You shall keep my Sabbath by reverencing my sanctuary. I am the Lord. Their streets must not only be free of trade and common business, but full of worshipers going to the house of the Lord. This precept is inserted here as if to say the foregoing duties will be remembered and enforced just in proportion as you keep up your souls by my worship, by seeing me set forth in the sanctuary, and by spending the Sabbaths in my fellowship. All immorality and all manner of evil will attend upon the neglect of the Sabbath day. Take away the river that waters the roots of the tree, and soon you will see the leaves wither and the sap dry up. We've got it right. Well, may we see the fourth commandment as, as a gift from God, a blessing. And what a privilege it is. But you know, and we need to remind ourselves of this, that keeping the Sabbath day is not a means of salvation. It's a result of salvation. And it is incumbent upon not only Christians, but the whole world to keep the Sabbath holy. The Ten Commandments are not just for Christians. It's for every human being. The Sabbath was made for man. It doesn't even say there the Sabbath was made for the Christian. So I would encourage an unbeliever, just like going over a week from Wednesday to pray before the meeting, I want to hand them not just the Ten Commandments, but a Gospel tract. And say thank you for being our, our leaders here in town. And one of the uses of the Ten Commandments is that you obey God's laws and you facilitate people in Boston to obey God. But please know that your obedience to God is not a work of righteousness to save your soul. We need Christ because we've all broken His laws. So pray that they won't get a message that as if, as if, they, if they keep the Sabbath holy or don't lie or don't steal, they're going to heaven just because of that but pray that they'll see I need Jesus as my Savior. Lord, forgive me of my sins and give me eternal life. Let us pray.